0: Two ships that had collided. And you say, how in the world would two ships collide in an ocean? (laughs) You say, how in the world did it happen? Well, uh, there was not a malfunction. There were no problems. They both knew that they were there. The problem is both captains were not willing to budge. They were on their course, and neither would change their course. Hence, they collided. Boy, it's amazing how pride... And people's hearts will not allow them to humble themselves to move and to change course in life. Only by pride cometh contentions. As you look at your life today, and as I look at my life today, and we see sometimes in our own minds and lives with our spouses or co workers or church or wherever, that there are going to be contentions. There are going to be words said and disagreements and so forth. And uh, I, I still believe, and we're not do- talking about doctrinal differences. You know, we're not talking about that. We're talking about opinions. We're talking about things that, that people are just not willing to budge on. And God says, uh, that's where these, this pride comes in. And then battling comes as a result of that. 1 Corinthians 3 attributes that to being a babe in Christ. He says, is there not envy, strife, and division is a result of that which happens inside of the heart. In 1 John chapter 2, he says, the love of the world. If, if that is in you, then you don't have to love of the Father. Because if we have the, those principles of, of the lust of the eyes, lust of the, the flesh, and the, the pride of life, that those things are not of the Father. Pride always comes from evil, from the wrong. There's that sinful nature that is inside of us. Now remember, when we say proud or pride in America, sometimes the definition needs to be out there for us. For instance, I'm proud of my children. I'm proud of my wife. I'm proud of my grandkids. You know what I'm saying? We say, oh, I'm so proud of you because of an accomplishment that you made. You know, you got straight A's. Oh, I'm so proud of you. You know, these achievements, we're not talking about that. We're talking about a self-centeredness. That inside of you, there is no budging. You are the only one in your life that is in control. And there is no humility involved with that. Last week, we went through the Psalms. And we went through Psalm chapter 10, if you remember. And we looked at how God defines what pride really is. And in that list, we saw things about the heart. How an individual that is so proud, they won't listen to God's word. It's like, I don't care what the Bible says, I have it all figured out. That's pride. God says an individual that is full of pride inside of their heart, they find individuals and they will actually attack the innocent because of pride. And there's a list of other things that we saw. but The one in particular that I highlighted is is the prayer that David had in that psalm. And that is, Lord, would you take them in their own inventions that they invented to go against the innocent, Lord, would you turn that back on them? And I, and I went through that psalm to lead us into what we're going to talk about today, and it's found in the book of Esther. It's found in the book of Esther. So let's go ahead and turn there now. Now, when you guys get so quiet like this, I always get nervous. You make me nervous because I'm thinking, are you following me or did I put you to sleep? Is it warm in here or is it me? The girls are, of course, it's cold in here. The guys are like, turn on the air. So guys, you want to watch the temperatures, make sure. Can I put them to sleep today? I guarantee you. (laughs) Esther. What a great book. Now, what we're going to be doing today in the book of Esther is there is no way we can see everybody that's in the book of Esther and their character. So we are going to be zeroing in on two individuals, the Christian the believer, I should say, in the Old Testament, Mordecai, and there's another guy who is lost, as my dog Billy is, and, and his name is Haman. And this guy, this guy was an amazing, proud, arrogant individual. Now the first thing that happened to him, we're going to go over to chapter number three. The first problem with this guy is that he got promoted by the king himself. Verse 1, after these things did King Ahasuerus promote Haman. So that's the whole problem right there. When you have somebody in royalty like that that looks at you throughout his whole kingdom and says, you're the man, all of a sudden his head got so big. And the, the customs and cultures here, it's kind of hard for us to understand, but there were things of respect, homage if you will, that went to those who are politically in leadership. And, and as he would go into town, people would, of course, you know, you know, basically stand up out of respect for him or bow down before the individual. And there were different ways that they would show respect. So sure enough, what you see in verse number two, as Haman would go around the last part of it, it says, but Mordecai bowed not, nor did him reverence. And and later on, verse five, when Haman saw that Mordecai bowed not, nor did him reverence, then was Haman full of wrath. Now we're dealing with the heart here, inside of this guy. Everybody else is like, Oh sir, we're so glad so glad to have you here. You know, in that bowing down is saying, I respect you, you're above me, some cultures, it it is it is even to this day, there. But there was a reason that Mordecai wouldn't bow down, wouldn't reverence him in, the, in his very presence, and that is he saw biblically that we are to bow down before no one except for God. And he knew, now follow me, it was not a thing where he was on purpose just trying to say, oh, well, I'm going to pick him out and disrespect him. No, he knew that this guy's heart was full of, of pride and arrogance, and it's almost like he is deifying himself. And so he's like, I'm not going to bow down to this guy. And everybody's like, you need to bow down. Man, you're getting in trouble if you don't bow down. I'm not going to bow down. You know, Daniel, chapter 3, you know, those three men, they wouldn't bow down. And by the way, we don't bow down. We don't. We bow down to God. We worship him. There's no one above. And so they weren't willing to do it in, in, the, in the future. You know, during the revelation, there are images that people literally will bow down before, worshiping Satan through these idols, taking numbers, 666, identify me with the beast. All these things will happen. Not the new under the sun, folks. But this Jew, this man from Judea area said, I'm not going to do it. I will not bow down. I will not give him any kind of respect because I love my God. God. By the way, historically, they are in captivity. The reason they are in captivity is because Israel's past bowed down to the idols. So he is sticking out above everybody else, saying, Guys, we're not supposed to do this. This is why we're in slavery in the first place. Some people learn from history and when they do learn from history it separates them and so sure enough he says i'm about out I'm not going to do it so so he got so mad Haman did he got so disheartened because of what he was doing he finds out that not only is he going to go after Mordecai but he finds out that he is a Jew and so therefore says because of this man one man going against me there is going to be a genocide i am going to kill all Jews that are here. I am going to hunt them down. I will kill them. And by the way, it's all going to happen in one day. So they cast lots, pure, and where we, we see the Jewish custom uh, of that feast of Purim takes place when, the, uh, when Haman, under the king's approval, were to take all of the Jewish people, and they found a day. They said, let's cast lots. Let's see what month and what day it's going to be. And sure enough, it came into a specific month and a specific day, and that was the day he was going to kill every one of the Jews. You say, how, when you, when you say that, how detailed was this killing? Look at for, verse number 13 of chapter 3. The letters were sent by post into all the king's provinces to destroy, to kill, and to cause to perish. How many Jews? All Jews. Now look how detailed it was. Both young and old. Little ones, the infants and women in one day. So that was his goal. So if you were a Jew living at that time period, he would take your entire family, children, men, your wives, and they would destroy every one of you. You say, well, surely if she was pregnant, it didn't matter. This was a massacre. Only by pride cometh contention. What did these innocent people, children and women, do to this one man? Nothing. But because of this man's pride and how he would be viewed, he is going to destroy an entire people because they will not bow down. Does that give you a little understanding of this day and age that we are living in with the Jewish people? To this very day, they are despised. You ask the people why. It's because they, the Jews, won't concede to the things that we demand of them. And praise the Lord, the Jews won't. Amen. Those who understand what I'm talking about, I mean, you've got to amen on that. I am so glad for, for their stand. And I only pray that we as a nation will stand with them and will stand for them, as we see in the book of Esther. Pride brings falls. But pride also lifts an individual up. You say, how proud was this individual, this guy was so full of himself that after he was promoted, look at chapter number 5 and verse number 12. Now these are quotes that we're going to show you from Haman to show you this guy's heart. So the story goes, Esther, who is a Jew, Haman doesn't know this, Uh, The queen is now in a position and says, I want you, Haman, to come to a banquet with me. And she ends up having a couple. But here's where we see recorded this first banquet that he was invited to. And look at Haman's response to being invited to the banquet. Haman said, moreover, yea, Esther the queen did, did let no man come in with the king under the banquet that she had prepared but myself. I'm the only one besides the king that was ever invited to the queen's banquet that she has been given. So in his mind yet with all of that he's thinking, "Wow. So the king promotes me. The queen invites me to the banquet. No other royalty, no other man who is in a noble position has been invited in but me." I'm the man I am the man. Everybody, I walk out, and, oh, Haman, Haman, oh, you're so great. The head is just about too big to get out the door. Are you following me? So it gets even better. In chapter number six, here's, here's where, you know, of course, things are going forward. I'm sorry, there's one, one other thing. i got, I got to show you, out of his pride, so he wants to kill Mordecai, specifically as the one who started this whole genocide. So he decides to create this gallow to destroy Mordecai himself. Now, how high do you have to make something to string a guy up to kill him? Are you following me? You don't have to go very high to kill a guy, you know? So what does he do? He creates a gallow to hang Mordecai on that was 75 feet high. I mean, that's like really high. Now, why would a guy want to build something so big to just show everybody, oh, listen, you don't go after me, or this is what's going to happen to you. So see it, everybody, he's the one. He started this whole thing. He's a Jew. He's a bad guy. They have all these customs and laws against us. See, I'm the good guy, and look what I can do to you. You want to talk about pride. Oh, oh. Anyways, so, so sure enough, there's a, night, there's a night that the king couldn't sleep. Now, here's where God starts to step in. Even though the name word God is not in the whole book of Esther, he's written on every page. Of this book, and so sure enough, the king couldn't sleep. So you know he gets up and it's like you know okay, why somebody read to me? You know So they're going through all these legends, things that had happened in the past and history and everything. Well, it ended up Haman didn't know this, but Mordecai had actually protected the king. One night he found out there was an assassination attempt going to happen, so Mordecai warns and he actually saves the life of the king. So the king finds this out that night. And he says to the guys, what did we do for him? What did we do for Mordecai because he saved my life? And the answer was, nothing. You didn't even know about it. Well, he's like, we got to do something about this. So he brings his right-hand man in, Haman. And he says, Haman, what should I do for somebody that I really, 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 really want to honor? And so Haman immediately, because of his pride, begins to think, hmm, what would the king want to do for me? Look at it. He actually says this, verse number 6 of chapter 6. So Haman came in, and the king said unto him, what shall be done to the man whom the king delighteth to honor? Now Haman thought in his heart, to whom would the king delight to honor more than myself? You want to... I mean, this guy must have had legendary songs about himself. You know what I mean? Probably folklore that he wrote himself just to tell everybody about how good he really is. How far will pride take us? Even when somebody else could be honored, well, it couldn't be them. It has to be me. There was a young woman who had an appointment with her pastor to talk to him. And he sat down and she said to him, Pastor, I've got this besetting sin that I am so worried about. And when she saw the pastor, she said, Pastor, I've become aware of the sin that's in my life which I cannot control. Every time I go to church, I begin to look around at all the other women. And I realize that I am the prettiest one in the whole congregation. No others can compare to my beauty. What can I do about this sin? The pastor replied, Ma'am, that's not a sin. That's just a mistake. <laughs> boy, you know, we can get compared. We can think we are, we are it. We are the man or the woman. And boy, stop and think in your mind. Because I've been here. I have fought of myself as something and sometimes God has to step in doesn't he because as he says to Peter if we don't humble ourselves then God must bring in humility and this humility hurts sometimes it's like ouch so sure enough he says okay listen He's gotta be talking about me. I gotta be the man. So what are we gonna do? What do we do to honor me? I get to tell the king how to honor me. How fun is this? This is like going to the boss and he says, This I'm gonna give a raise to somebody. How much do you think he ought to get? And you're thinking, he's gonna give me a raise. Oh, I double the salary, easy. Maybe even triple it. If he's doing that good of a job, give it. And then you find out it was to the guy that does your job better than you do. You know, that's about what happens here. So he's like, okay, this has got to be me. So he says, first thing I would do is I would get your type of apparel, royal apparel, verse number 8. I would get the king's horse that he personally rides on. I would get a crown, put it on his head. And after you get all of this, get a specific man that everybody else knows, a noble prince, that he will do all of this for him and guide him throughout the city on this parade in front of everybody. And this noble needs to proclaim about the one you are honoring. Thus shall it be done to the man whom the king delighteth to honor. And he's thinking right there, oh, I can't wait for this to happen. I am going to look so handsome. Everybody's going to be watching me. I'm going to be up on that horse. And it's going to be trotting along. And they are going to be comparing me with the king. Boy, life's good. Boy, life's good. Everybody's going to want to be me. I love me. <laughs> I love myself so much. Everybody wants to be me. My wife, all my friends, when I walk in the door, they're going to say, Wow, you man, it doesn't get any better than you. And you can see this guy's mind rolling and rolling and rolling. And then did you ever get hit with a two-by-four across the face? <laughs> it hurts so bad. So look at verse 10. Then the king said to Haman, now, make haste, that means hurry up, take the apparel and the horse, do as thou hast said, and do even so to Mordecai, the Jew that sits at the king's gate, let nothing fail of all that thou hast spoken. Now, this guy might be full of proud pride, but he's not dumb. Because he still has to obey the king's commandment. Has to do it. So, reluctantly... His presumptuous mind has all of a sudden been humbled, thinking it was him. Now he is taking the arch enemy that he was waiting to hang up, watch everybody see him dangling 75 foot high. Now he has to take this man and actually honor him and public, publicly say to everybody, this is what the king does to those who the king wants to honor. So you honor the king, and good things happen to you. Now, if you dishonor the king, then bad things happen to you. And he has to go around proclaiming, "Thus will this happen to everybody who the king wants to honor." I don't know how he said it. Love to have a videotape of that one. I imagine veins are popping out of his neck, red face. What did he wear? He may have disguised himself. Who knows what this guy, in his arrogancy, was doing? But he had to do it. Now, when proud people have their huge bubble broken, they collapse. By the way, when we have our bubble broken, this imaginary inflated thing broken, what happens to you? What happens when people don't pay the attention to you because of what you have done and then you go into what I call the boo-hoo booth and sit around, nobody cares. and start grumbling? That's pride. You see it? Let's look at verse number 12. And Mordecai came again to the king's gate, but Haman hasted to his house mourning and having his head covered. You, what a big sissy. I mean, you just had to do this, but it's like you're still in command. You, you have still been promoted by the king. But do you see how the proud do not view what the reality of life is all about? They zero in on the one thing that doesn't go their way. So he, he covers his head like, this is just horrible. You didn't believe what I had to do. This is horrible. It's not horrible. It's one man. So he covers his head, he goes to his house bawling, and then it gets worse, verse 13. Haman told Zeresh, his wife, and his friends, remember how he was expecting come in and say, oh, are you the man? Well, he comes in and, and tells everybody what had befallen him, and then said his wife, excuse me, wise men, and Zeresh, wife, unto him, here's wisdom. If Mordecai be of the seed of the Jews, before whom thou hast begun to fall, Thou shalt not prevail against him, but shalt surely fall before him. And while they were yet talking with him, came the king's chamberlains, hasted to bring Haman under the banquet, the second one, that Esther had prepared. So he goes in, covers his head, almost forgets that we got another banquet that was to honor him, he was thinking. And his wife, And those who were closest to him began to consult him and say, "Um, guess what? If you go this direction, he's going to win. You're actually going to fall before him. And even these people could see what was happening. That something was changing all of this and that he's going to lose. I don't know if you remember... What we saw back in Proverbs. But I want to read that with you again. Chapter 13 and verse 10. Keep your finger there. We're going to go right back to it. But look at Proverbs 13 again. Proverbs 13.10 The first part. Only by pride cometh contention. So there's your battle. Starting from the pride of Haman. Notice this. But with the well advised is wisdom. Listen, you know what pride does? Pride says, I can do this. Pride says, I have everything under control. I don't need anybody's help. But with those who everything is going well for them, it is because they got advice. Mordecai talks to Esther, giving her advice. Mordecai was obeying the voice of God in the commandments of God not to bow down. And so it turns around that, folks, if we won't take at least a moment to get advice from godly counsel, it is because of pride. But those who get advice, they are going to receive wisdom. But a proud person is going to go in with fists. Making it happen for them, Christians. It doesn't take much to find somebody to get advice from. It doesn't take that long. And by the way, don't get people that are going to agree with you all the time. Okay? Don't go to people that you think they're going to tell you what you want to hear. Because realistically, off we need to hear what we don't want to hear. That's what Proverbs is all about. A wise man, when he is given advice is going to become wiser. But a fool is going to say I don't want that. I don't want to hear that. And they won't listen to truth. And so sure enough this man, even as Proverbs, excuse me, Psalm chapter 10 talked about he will not seek God. He will not turn to the Lord. He will not see that God was blessing Mordecai. He would not acknowledge any of those things. And sure enough, the fall is about to happen. Back to Esther again. So she, he is now at this second banquet that is being set up by Queen Esther. And sure enough, she has to ex- explain to the king himself that Haman was not only going to kill Mordecai and the Jewish people, but as a result of that, Haman was going to kill the king's wife the very queen would have to be killed along with all of the other Jews. Now listen, because of the king's commandment given to Haman to destroy all of the Jews. And I'm sure at that point, all of a sudden, Haman's neck and head starts getting red out of embarrassment now. And I don't know exactly how this all happened, but somehow they're like, you know, Haman and Esther end up getting in this chamber and, and the king is like over here somehow, and Haman is going to the queen and saying, don't do this, and they fall down on the bed, and the king walks in, and he's like, what are you doing? Are you going to take my own wife too? Weren't there some gallows built out there? <laughs> Weren't there some gallows like really, really high that were created for Haman to take Mordecai, and sure enough, somebody comes in and says, okay, it's time for Mordecai to get killed here. And he says, "Uh, we're just going to do a little switch around here. Haman's going to be hanged in front of everybody. Pride brings destruction. A haughty spirit before a fall. It hurts, doesn't it? we may have been thinking out of pride ill for somebody else. And God has to turn it back on us to show us how it really, really feels. So sure enough, Haman is hanged on those very gallows. And you know what's really awesome? Look at chapter 8. Verse 1. On that day the king, Haseerus, give the house of Haman the Jews the enemy of Esther the queen and, and Mordecai came before the king for Esther had told what he was unto her and the king took off his ring which he had taken from Haman and gave it to Mordecai and Esther set Mordecai over the house of Haman complete opposite now let me ask you a question could Haman have avoided all of this and all that he would have had to have done is recognized what God was doing he's not the man and he would have worked along with Mordecai this wouldn't have happened but because of pride comes fighting and contention and strife only by it, it's going to be a root somehow pride's going to be there Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he will exalt you in due season, just the right time. Haman, as we have been seeing this pride in him, we have also seen the example of humility through Mordecai. And the one who seemingly was losing, the one who was going to be destroyed, ended up being raised up to the position of royalty. Folks, that's what God wants us to do. If we go into with a heart of servitude, saying, I'm unworthy, then God says, I'm going to use you. But if you go in and say, nobody better than me, God says, I resist that pride, and He will then give grace to the humble, put the humble in the place where you wanted to be. And then you're going to get even madder because the person that's you wanted to do that job, they're doing it. And you say, well, they didn't do as good as a job as me. That's pride, folks. We can't live that way. I'm not saying the proud don't ever do things. But it isn't long until that, that bud is opened up. And you can see what it's really, really all about. There are so thing, many things that we look at and we are proud of in this life that are absolutely meaningless when it comes to God. No matter how much you have left in your 401k, it doesn't impress God. God is not impressed with your money, He is not impressed with your house, He is not impressed with any possessions that you have. God doesn't care. You say, I've got the best voice. That doesn't impress God. It's not what it's about. He's looking at the heart. God is not impressed with your beauty. He made you glorify Him. This proverb tells us that beauty is vain. It's empty. I guess that's why they call them Vanities. All these things that we look at in his life could be gone in just a moment. Athletic? doesn't take long until you blow your knee out, you're done. All these things in life that we hold on to so precious. While we can, we honor God with our abilities. But if we, And if we have in our mindset we want to honor God with the abilities, then God, through that humility, is actually going to take you up, up, up into rank as a result of that. But if you do it for self-exaltation so that you get the pat on the back, uh, you're not going to get it. It's just not going to happen. Maybe by the world, but you're not impressing God. Don't you want to impress God? Do you personally... Want to impress God. That you stand before him. And God says to you. To you personally. Well done. Now good and faithful servant. Enter into the rest. He uses the word servant. Because that's what humility is about. Is serving other people. Mordecai through his humility. Served the entire generation. That he lived with. Took that young lady that he had brought up and loved and put her on a line. All of this humility that he did, giving wisdom, giving advice, praying, fasting that he did for the whole situation, showed the humility. Look at Proverbs 29 and verse 23. Proverbs 29 23. Simply says, A man's pride shall bring him low, but honor shall uphold the humble in spirit. And what the Barnharts were sharing today was what God is doing in their lives. I had no idea what they were going to be saying, but they just gave you the example. Of what this message is all talking about? Uh, I've I've heard both of them say, "I don't know why the Lord's doing this. We can't we can't do this. It's got to be God doing it through us." The mindset of "Boy, the Lord is so blessed to have me on His side." is is not what God uses. You say, "But you don't understand my schooling, my intelligence." God says, pride puffeth up. It's proud. Education doesn't make you better. God makes you better. I have abilities. It doesn't matter. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm so thankful uh, for, for Mark stepping up and, and helping out the way he is at the music, Mark Bradley. And, uh, and even though he has had education Constantly, after every, about every service, he comes up and says, what can I do to change? What can I do to get better? That's why I like the guy. Because he's not coming in and saying, church, you are so blessed <laughs> to have me. Just even to think. You, know, you see what I'm saying? It's like, ah. Doesn't it make you just turn your stomach when you see people proud and full of themselves? I gave you that quote. Pride is the only disease that makes everyone sick but the one who has it. <laughs> Nobody else likes it in you. But it's like you like it. We have to humble ourselves because if we don't, then God has to. You want to be a servant for Christ? Serve. No expectations. Nothing that is going to be coming your way and God is going to use you. Um, your pastor went through three years of Bible college you have to take my word for that because I don't even have a certificate anymore, I lost the thing I have no proof I even went to Bible college, I humbly apologize for that I do have the certificate when I got ordained though, I do, I do have that one yet Um. And I was under some wonderful, wonderful pastors in those three years of school. Uh, most of them did not have degrees. They had life's degrees. And they told me stories and gave me illustrations that I will never forget. And I watched these pastors that I sat under. And there's one who had a doctor's degree. And he was one of my mentors through all those years. And that church that he pastored flourished under his ministry. But it wasn't because of the degree. It was because of his humility. He came into the church one time. I had him preach at my first church. And you know how sometimes some people can be so intelligent that they're stupid. So he gets on eighty. In Pennsylvania, and he wasn't, you know, as most men, we won't read the directions. And he said, oh, I'll just get on here and go east. Uh, wrong way, went west. You know, should have been going west and went east. So he had, he's almost in New York. And he realized, oh, I went the wrong way. So he calls me up. Uh, no, I'm sorry, this is pre-sale. I'm, I'm at 730 service. It, it was in a farming community. We had to start services at 730 at night because the farming wasn't done. Milk, cows weren't milked yet, you know, so you had to start church late. And so church started at 7.30, and 7.20, uh, Preacher Mark still wasn't there. And I'm like, well, folks, I've already say let's just open our Bible, and I'll have a message. You don't know what happened to Preacher Marks. So sure enough, he, he comes in the door, and, and he's, he's about as wide as he was tall, and he comes in with bib overhauls and a flannel shirt, steps into the church, and he goes, I'm here. (laughs) And I'm like, boy, am I glad. And he goes, can I preach like this? Because I didn't have time to change. And I said, come on up. And so he comes up with his bibs and his flannel shirt on, and he breaks the word open. And, And afterward, he didn't realize that that won the people. Because it's a farming community. And they didn't look at a doctorate's degree They looked at a guy that just wanted to come in and share his heart. And by the way, I remember what that whole series was about. It was about the heart. Cardiac, the inner man. And as he told us that night, it's not talking about this little six, eight ounce muscle that's inside of your chest. We're not talking about that. It's the real you and I that worships God, that believes in God. That's what God is interested in. The heart in Psalm 10 was of the proud. Let me ask a question. Are you too proud to admit that you need God? That you need saved? With the heart, man believes unto righteousness. With the very mouth of man, he confesses. You know what he confesses? That Jesus Christ is Lord. Lord. He died for me. I can't save myself. A proud person will say I'm okay the way I am. I go to church. I'm a religious person. I give. I do all of these things. I sing in a choir. Look at what I do for God. God is not impressed. What impresses God is the heart that believes in the Lord Jesus Christ. That is what God is waiting for you to say. God, I can't. Please save me. Do it for me. And He will save you just the way you are. You say, what did He do for me? He died for your sin. His blood was shed on the cross for your sin. He rose again three days later. That is the gospel. That's the only thing that will get us into heaven. Believing in Christ. That He has done that for us. Allow your heart to be softened and broken right now. Allow Him to speak to your heart to say, I need Christ and He will save you. You say, Pastor, I, 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 you know I'm in this church, I right? Go to a church and I've done things. Listen, our works is not what saves us. That's pride. What, what we do through humility is say, I can't do it and Christ did it for me. And it's hard for people to admit that. Because we want to earn things, don't we? We don't want things given to us. That's pride. Just allow Christ to work in your heart and to be saved. Father, Your word is so precious. Help us, Lord, to learn humility through these examples. I pray, Lord, that you will take this series and allow us as individuals to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. Lord, you have promised, if true, sincere humility is there, that exaltation will happen. Lord, I pray for us as a church that we will be a humble people. Lord, for anyone here that is not saved, work in that heart. Draw them to Yourself. And may they tear down the pride that's keeping them back. May they walk and believe. Lord, bless this invitation. It is Yours.